Morning. Morning. Nice to be with you all again. So we are continuing our discussion of the Brahma Vimohana Leela. And um, this is it for those who are of you who are less familiar, a uh, narrative in the Leela or the divine play of Krishna. And we've explained to some extent that this play, or Leela, is kind of a a something that transcends omniscience in as much as omniscience, all-knowing ness lends to boredom because if you don't if you know everything, what will you do? So, to play is the idea. Now, pretend you don't know. And if you're very good at what you do, as is the case with God, then you can play very hard and forget your godhood. So the idea, the theological idea here is that in the, in the forgetting, if you will, the divine forgetfulness of his own majesty and godhead, uh, godhood, the godhead becomes uh, more accessible while going internally more. Hmm? Um, he becomes externally more available. Hmm? Just like uh, a great person uh, has a public life and Nitai Sundar tells me that devotees come up to him and ask him, what, is, what does Maharaj do when he's not sitting out there? What, what, what several devotees ask what does he do? <laughs> what is his private life like? Hmm? Um, so, the Godhood, if you will, of the Godhead is his public life, hmm? with which people are theistic-minded people, or religious-minded people, spiritual-minded people are acquainted with to some extent or another. Uh, sometimes the uh, analogy... Uh, of the sun is invoked to help us appreciate God in that the sun is something that we're very much dependent upon. Hmm? Um, and throughout the day it's, it's, it's with us and always having, a, so to speak, a watchful and caring eye over us, providing the kind of, uh, uh, well, warmth, light, the enlivening, of, if you will, of the mind that we experience on a sunny day, the, uh, the vegetation, the evaporation of the water that turns it into rain that makes the vegetation possible and so forth. It's multifaceted the way in which the sun is a provider for us and with us, if you will, hmm? always shining somewhere, hmm? right? It's always you know, 12 o'clock somewhere, something like that. Um, so this is largely the extent to which many, the majority of religious-minded, spiritual-minded people are, in a sense, acquainted with the Godhead as a feature of life, uh, that, that an aspect of our life, an important aspect of our life that provides for us in a number of ways and so on and so forth. 
Um, but here, what, what's being talked about theologically is something very, very different. Again, it's not the outer Godhead uh, and the expression of majesty and um, maintenance and sustenance and so forth that the uh, the Son, or in this case, the Godhead, provides that is the topic, but what he does when he's off the throne, so to speak, very curious theological um, inquiry, hmm? one that most people wouldn't even think to ask, so to speak. This is the kind of question that this book, the Bhagwat, is is asking. Hmm? As I said the other day, we we, we we touched on a verse from Sanskrit verse of Sarup Damodar Goswami that gave a philosophical stepping stone to stand on, to step up and stand firmly to ponder hmm, his following verse that asks arguably the most uh, extraordinary uh, theological questions that ever have ever been asked. The other questions being asked by the Godhead itself about himself. What am I like? Hmm? So the inner life. So Leela is, is, is really about the inner life of the Godhead. And this is where the personhood of the Godhead really uh, comes into being, manifests in a meaningful sense. Hmm? Um, so the private life of God is 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 the is the subject, um, and to use the analogy to carry that further of the sun, of course, while the sun is a provider for us and so forth, and we think about the sun in terms of what it can do for us, it of course has its own life as well, hmm? and it's it, whatever goes on there and those nuclear explosions of the sun and so forth that are very extraordinary. That you know if it should solar flare in our direction, we would be consumed by it, something like that. All of our communication systems would would go down and and uh we'd be stuck with our with our <laughs> with our minds. Uh anyway, that inner life of the sun, if you will, the nuclear life of the sun, this is what this book is about, to use that analogy. That's a very um bold um, idea. What what is it like to live inside the sun? What 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 is it? What what is that about? What so these leelas are like emotional uh, waves or or explosions in the life of the absolute. And we talk about it in Hinduism with the word avatar, for example, avatar from up to down, crossing tara, crossing alva, from up to down, entering within time and space, which is our frame of reference. Hmm? The the uh, a, a transcendent uh, reality, a meeting, uh, it's kind of a meeting between the temporal and the eternal, that gives us the opportunity to move away from the temporal and enter into the eternal and transcend time and space. So these types of descriptions are meant to try to take us out of our frame of reference, time and space. But we are so grounded there. Hmm? And identified um, materially, nationally, um, gender-wise, and so forth, we're so identified with these passing phases of, you know, whether I'm Polish or German. Give it a few years here, you know, and we, we it could change, right? Hopefully, it won't change back. But, <laughs> but uh, this is the point. Um, 
that these identities are very much um, uh, passing here today and gone tomorrow, but somehow we've latched on to them, and this is a problem. Hmm? We're not moving, so to speak, with the, with the flow of things uh, and understanding the ever-changing nature that we are the constant observing factor of. We identify with the changing nature in the scene, and so there are problems for us. We experience some type of transformation, like birth, uh, growth, maturation, dwindling, dying, hmm? Um, uh, and so forth. These things are not relative to the uh, observing sort of witness factor that we are constituted of, consciousness, the I, the, the inner I that transcends, I am Polish, I am American, I am a man, I am a woman. The fact that I am a unit of experiential existence. Hmm? We've talked about this to some extent. Existence cannot come out of non-existence. Hmm? So you have the two, existence and non-existence. So if we're a unit of existence, then we have always existed you can't come out of non-existence. Hmm. And, of course, as it turns out, in changing situations, and we've identified with them at the loss of, or a sense of the loss, of our enduring nature, which we seek to recapture, so to speak, to, to, uh, to, to, to experience. Hmm. Enduring, and enduring in a meaningful and happy way. Hmm. Hmm. Joyful way. So... These leelas are, anyway, beautiful descriptions. Um, very, they're very esoteric, and they can, properly understood, they have the power, the idea is, to transport us beyond our present frame of reference of time and space and, uh, and uh, so forth. So, just a little bit of a preface, especially for those less familiar with some of the, the, the concepts. It will become more complex, but then some of you are more familiar so we have to try to cater to the entirety of the audience. And the problem is always too high for some and too low for others. So be patient. Uh, if you get a little something from it, then that's good enough. It's a big subject. So so if you can't get enough of it, that's okay too. <laughs> so this is, this, is, this is a cup to drink from. The text, actually, many, many, many verses previously begins like this. Say, this book is very different, and it requires some, there's some qualification for really entering into it. One has to have some sympathetic heart, a heart that is freed from any clutter of attachment for things. As I've often said, the best things in life are not things. Hmm? It's us, consciousness. Uh, so uh, the beginning of the practice, if you will, involves some cleansing of the heart. Hmm? That, that, that we, just like if you, if you use that example, if you want to enter the sun, well, you better have a fire-like body. Otherwise, you won't, you won't uh, uh, be successful there. Hmm? So to enter into, into Brahman, into the consciousness that I am, a moment of, if you will, an eternal moment of, atomic atom of consciousness. Hmm? To enter into that and what the possibilities of I am involve. Hmm? Hmm? Um, 
as a result, what I am as a result of, or what I am as in, in potential, in consideration of environment that I might be associated with. Now we're associated with the material environment, and we have an I am Polish or I am Finnish. This is a very limited sense of existence. I am is much bigger. That will endure. I am Polish will not. But now something I am something else. What means further, what besides that I exist, what are the possibilities of existing as a unit of consciousness, un, unobscured by or um, detached from the passing movements of, of material nature? Hmm? What makes matter matter? If it matters to us, it matters. Otherwise, it, it really doesn't. Hmm? So consciousness gives value, meaning, worth, and so forth. This is what uh, we are... About as I said the other day, no one is a materialist. We want the feeling of things that we posit into things, hmm? not the things themselves. Hmm? It's like I was, this old house, and we, we we will think about it, and it's we think how old it's been, how they must have uh, the Germans, I assume, harvested these oak trees, and at a certain time of the year when there were no bugs in them and so forth, so that they would last forever. And, you know, it's maybe been here for 100 years or something like that. And all of that is what we, we like about it. The, 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 uh, and we, 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 as units of consciousness, have posited value into it. Age, time, it's been here, it's a, it's a historical... Uh, this is all, in, all consciousness value, not just wood value or stone value. Hmm? So, um, so to go inside and deeply inside, this is what this text is about. And Leela is, is, is about, the, the idea of Leela is as far as you can go with this. What is the, the life, the heart of divinity, the play of the absolute, and how you can enter in there. This is a particular window of opportunity for entrance that's being discussed over these chapters. We call it Sakya, primarily here. Sakya means friendly love. As I said before, the, the sacred authors of these texts and commentators upon them, they were concerned with four primary forces. I mean, maybe you've heard me say this before, but those four primary forces that are, the, that are what makes things happen in the world, from their estimation, is not electromagnetic force, gravitational force, strong and weak nuclear energy, but Dasyam, Sakyam, Vatsalyam, Madhuryam. Hmm? It's not speaking about the objective, the forces of the objective world hmm? that need to be turned on by the subjective world to work in the first place, but the forces that move the, the subjective world. These are expressions of love, Dasyam, servitorship, like the love between the teacher and the student hmm? from the student's perspective. Sakyam, friendship, equality. This is an expression of love. Vatsalyam, parental love. Hmm? Madhurya, romantic love. We all have some acquaintance with these things. They are, they are the driving forces in our lives. They're what really makes the world go round. We're moving by the force of these things. And we're in, in pursuit of them. Unfortunately, 
we are finding the experience often sometimes frustrating because the object of our parental love, the, um, you know, we, we love our children, but the children grow up. <laughs> they, don't be, they stop becoming children. After a while, they become our teachers, if we're wise. And we can learn from them and so forth. Or a loved one passes away and so forth. So the object that we, re, we are, in relation to which we're pursuing these forces, if you will, that make the world go round, is um, problematic. Hmm? So here the text seeks to give us an object that we can repose such loving propensities in and not experience any, um, any loss. Hmm? God, that you could love God romantically, that you could love God in, in a friendly, in, in, in friendship, like in equality, not in majesty, in awe and veneration. Hmm? This is a very interesting theological idea that is showcased here in the text. So, to return to the to the narrative here, we we our last uh, discussion ended with a very because um, we ran out of batteries here. A very brief um, discussion of one of two verses that Sugadev is reflecting back on the narrative that he himself has um, recited to the Raj, the king, Parikshit. This is the setting, of course, of the Bhagavatam, this book. The, the emperor was cursed to die. Hmm? So he had seven days to live. So he wanted to know what to do. Hmm? What is the, how one should be preoccupied hmm? um, in consideration of death. This was his his concern. And so many people gathered at the bank of the Ganges, the sacred river, to offer different kinds of advice to the emperor. It was a big event. Just like, for example, forgive me, but I don't know who the head of state here in Poland is, but you probably all know who the guy is in America. Um, If President Obama uh, was to just decide, like, if he he went to an astrologer (laughs) and the astrologer said, Obama, you've got seven days to live. Then if you went to the bank of the Mississippi River or something, (laughs) and all the heads of state came and all kinds of people came with all kinds, and he wanted to know what to do. Hmm? I've got seven days to live. What is life? Hmm? Um, (laughs) And uh, what is death? And understanding death, of course, is is really understanding life. Hmm? And the, the Raj, the king, had seven days. And the implication, of course, is we have seven days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and one of them we will die. Hmm? So <laughs> what to do about that? Now, it sounds a little bit of a morbid kind of preoccupation in one sense, but um, the Bhagavatam wants to answer that, way, that, that, that question in a way that, that gives a, gives life that far exceeds what we could what we are presently experiencing in the name of life hmm? a life that under which we are constantly experiencing the threat apparent threat of not existing at some point jivo jivasya jivanam this is a sanskrit statement that uh, darwin echoed many centuries later when he spoke about the struggle for existence survival of the fittest, but he stopped there and the Bhagavatam goes on from there. Hmm? How you can transcend 
the struggle for existence. Mm. Very nice idea. Mm. So, uh, so what happened was there was an assembly on the bank of the Ganges, and in walked the sixteen-year-old youth, naked, and uh, the wise people could understand his 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 nakedness indicated that he had no attachments. Hmm? He had no uh, uh, attachment to the passing sense of identity that arises from our material contact through the eyes with form, through the ears with sounds, through our tactile sense we touch things and we get messages that are relayed to our minds and our mind makes determinations. This is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad, I like this, I don't like that. And our identity is forming on the basis of likes and dislikes. That's what we are, our likes and dislikes, materially speaking. Hmm? But our determination as to what's good or bad or happy or sad is very relative to the particular mind and set of senses that we have. Another person has a different mind and set of senses, and so they see the same thing that we think is good as bad. What we think is happy, they think is sad. So the point is, which is it? Hmm? The nature of it is such that it transcends those limited perceptions that are confining and erroneous and relative only to the to the um, particular mind and senses that we're presently preoccupied with. So, uh, so when the boy came in, youthfulness, youth, youth sixteen-year-old, it means like just you know just about to have an existential crisis. Who am I? Hmm? I'm like almost, an, I'm starting to be an adult. I'm not a kid anymore. I don't want to be treated like a kid. They don't want to treat me like an adult. Hmm? Um, so you're trying to fit in in adolescence. At the same time, everybody wants your adolescence, isn't it? <laughs> adolescence, you, you're trying to be older. You, you want to be 16 and a half, 16 and three quarters, something like that. <laughs> You want to be older. The older people want you know don't want don't want to accept you yet. They still want to see you as a child and and so forth. Um, so it's 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 a time for thinking, questioning. What am I? Why am I? And so forth. Um, so the, the symbolism, of course, in Sugadev's youth is like this. He searched it out. He was in crisis mode, existential crisis that comes in in youth, and he and he stuck with it. Hmm? I said the other day that Einstein, some of you weren't here, Einstein was once asked how he discovered the theory of relativity. And he said, oh, that by not giving up on the questions that surface in childhood, like, Dad, what is time? Hmm? Dad says, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> we'll talk about it in the morning. Hmm? Uh, so, and these are the kind of questions that the sacred texts of India ask. Hmm? They seem like very simple questions, but they're, they are the questions. Hmm? What is time? What am I? Why am I? You see, this, this is a human question. This is not a plant question or an animal question. It's a human question. It's a subjective, qualitative question. It's not a quantitative question of how to eat, hmm? how to sleep, how to acquire food, how to acquire a roof over my head, hmm? how, to, how to acquire company, a mate, hmm? how to protect myself. It's, it's categorically different. 
those questions can be answered by nature. Hmm? And nature answers all those questions for the animals. They all have a built-in defense system. Hmm? They know what to eat, where to sleep, how to mate. These aren't questions for them. There's a qualitative, the, a qualitative question. This is not a quantitative question, but a qualitative question. And as I said earlier, quality refers to consciousness. Hmm? In other words, we qualify, we give qualities to things, we posit qualities and values to things. Hmm? And so why, rather than how, why? This is what human life is, it's a big why am I? Or you could say, what am I? What is the meaning, what the purpose? Hmm? This question is being asked in human life because human life constitutes a situation within material existence where the self that is consciousness, not matter, has risen considerably to the fore, to to, to the front. Hmm? Enough to not be too preoccupied with how. Hmm? How to eat, how to sleep, and enough to ask about itself. This is consciousness asking about itself. Hmm? I'm a unit of meaning, therefore I feel that the world should have meaning. Hmm? Everything should have meaning. I make meaning out of everything. <laughs> it means I'm, I'm, I'm actually experiencing myself to some extent, a unit of meaning and value. It's very bewildering, actually. It's like growing up all of a sudden. Like I said, adolescence itself is kind of confusing. So human life is kind of confusing. You're, you're, you're coming out of the animal life and all of a sudden, these questions, you have an animal side to you, but you have this other side. Hmm? It's like, how does that work? And it's, it's, it's somewhat uh, subdued, somewhat suppressed, just, just coming to the surface. So we can't quite fully access it and understand that it's me that, I'm, that has value. And I'm accustomed from previous lives in animal species to identifying only with, with things and never asking the why or the I question. Hmm? And now all of a sudden, this question's coming up. It's very confusing. I'm still attached to things, so I posit value in the things, and, and, and that's not working, and, and, and so on. So, hmm? this, these kind of sacred texts are answers to the question that human life itself constitutes. Hmm? You can't, in other words, get answers to these questions from nature. Hmm? It's above her pay grade. Hmm? She can only point you in the direction hmm? Hmm. by negative impetus. You're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> Poking you. It's nothing in the wrong place. Look within, look within. Hmm? And it, it's a, uh, yeah. So, and, and, and that's what we do. When it becomes too problematic, we, we, we kind of go within. We want to sit in a quiet place. We want to reflect. We want to retru- withdraw our senses from sense objects hmm? and, and find some, some peace, meaning, deeper value, and so forth. So, these texts, saintly persons, they've come to help us with this, help us with this, this pursuit hmm? to grow from the adolescence, in a sense, the human life constitutes in the larger picture of our spiritual evolution, hmm? to come into adulthood, hmm? understand the self, 
and its possibilities, its potential for loving. Hmm? So, Sugadev comes anyway. He's there. He's like a 16-year-old boy, hmm? naked. He has no attachments. He, he's, he's always in a teachable moment, it means. Hmm? So, given the subject, that's important. Because hmm? it's unknowable. Then hmm? that's good. It's a kind of certainty in, un, in this uncertainty of spiritual life. I certainly want it. Just like there's certainty in love and there's uncertainty in love at the same time. I certainly want it, but I, it's certainly confusing <laughs> at the same time. It's, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. I, this is it's like a roller coaster that I, I don't want to get off of, nonetheless. I've often said that we, we, don't, we cannot stop we we are moving to find love. And when we find it, we can rest for a moment. Then it has an orbit of its own hmm? that we become caught up in. Hmm? So, so here, the sage, Sukadev, the boy, hmm? he's speaking to the Raj, to the king. And we're, we're far into his narrative now, many, many cantos, many volumes into his narrative. And this is all about solving the death problem. Hmm? Don't get lost here. This is, it's all about solving the death problem. But he, the way he wants to solve it is ex- extraordinary. He wants to give you life. Hmm? He wants to give you a kind of life that, that, that transcends death. Hmm? There's a, the, the solution to, 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 to death, of course... Is to understanding is understanding to some extent is the beginning of the solution to understand that consciousness is not biological in its makeup. Hmm? This is one of the big questions in modern science that science has not yet answered. It's at the top of the list out of a, I don't know 128 questions or something like that. First or second, one of them is what is the nature of the universe? And the other is what is the biological makeup of consciousness? Right, this of course is not the way to ask the question. Is there's a bias built into this question? The the answer is the, the proper question is: Is there a biological makeup to consciousness? Not what is the biological makeup of consciousness? There's a presupposition there hmm? that consciousness has to be made up of be biological hmm? or or reducible to biology to um, um, material and chemical, uh, biological, chemical uh, uh, influences, forces, and so forth. Now, the question should be: Is there a biological makeup? If there's not, there's something supernatural, and it's you. Hmm? Hmm? You, you, if you're not of biological makeup, and, that's, and this, is the, this is the answer of the Vedanta, no. Life, there's a biological life, hmm? Hmm? and then there's existence, existence itself, experiential existing, existence. In the Bhagavat, the, 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 the ideas are played out. There is light and there is water. Hmm? There's the Mahavishnu, and there's light, the glancing, and consciousness is impregnated into matter, and the world goes round. And then the second Vishnu comes, hmm? and there's water. Hmm? It's 
and there's biolo- and the Brahma is born, and there's biological life, and this circle is going on, hmm? and so forth. So the answer, if you will, the solution to death is, to, is at the beginning of it is to understand oh, that I'm not, I don't die. <laughs> that sounds good, but it looks like you do. It will feel like you do, and so on and so forth. Hmm? But, but this is spiritual practice is to put into practice this uh, reasonable theory. Hmm? And in the here and in the now, to transcend your biological um, reality hmm? and watch the passing of, of, of the body and so forth without any concern. This was the position of Sukadev. Hmm? He wanted to say, say, rather than die, die, well, die to live. Die to the things that are perpetuating hmm, this um, identification with, with the biological um, movement. Hmm? This we call, there's an identity that comes out of this, we call a hunkar, false, false identity, false ego, and it's a taker. Hmm? By taking, then we owe, so we have to change that. We have to become lovers, givers, and so forth. So they saw Sugadev like this. And, and he's speaking to the king, and he's speaking, as I say, about this particular type of love of God, Sakya, and he compares it. He's just reflected back. These cowherds, friends of Krishna, in the Leela, in the divine play, are so intimately connected with the Godhead in love that the Godhead doesn't know that he's God, He's forgotten it. Hmm? And they don't know. And Sugadeva is reflecting on it and he is full of Vishmaya astonishment. Hmm? And, um, and he's spoken about different paths to arrive at transcendence. Brahma, through Gyan, through reverential love. Hmm? Um, and how they fall short of the experience. This is what he's seeing. The experience that these these cowherds are having. Hmm? It's very extraordinary, their experience. The intimacy with which they are associated with the Absolute, as if a, a young boy hanging out with his, uh, with his best friend in a, from, from in a neighborhood, and, uh, and it looks just like that. Hmm? Completely like that. He's astounded. What is this? He's, he, this is like off the religious map, so to speak. Hmm? It's very extraordinary. And then, so then he says, and yoga. Hmm? There's another means, mystic yoga, ashtanga yoga, means for, um, um, well, solving the death problem. Hmm? But the death problem is a problem of taking. That's what it's, what it's about. In other words, when we take when we, when we exploit the environment based on our material identification, when we take, then we owe. Hmm? So to stop taking will stop death, but it's difficult to do. If we could start giving and loving, then not taking would automatically be included in that. Hmm? And something more. Therefore, they say in sports that the best defense is a good offense. This is the idea of bhakti. So the whole sadhana, the spiritual practice of bhakti, is about loving God. Yes, detachment comes, 
knowledge comes, janayati ashubairagyam gyanam chayirohitikam. They are small things hmm? that are so much aspired for in jnana and in yoga, strived for. They're easily accomplished. Hmm? They're byproducts of loving. And so he, he cites a verse to make a comparison to what the position of these cowherds in relation to what you could attain by another type of spiritual sadhana of yoga practice. He says, what? That, um, he says, yat pada pumsa, pumsu, bahu janma kritsrato, tritatma bir chogi bir, api alabhya. He says that, bahu janma, bahu janma, after many, many, many births, of yoga practice, long, long time, hmm? that with Kritrato, with great uh, effort, hmm? it's, it's, a, it's a little, he's talking about a different kind of yoga practice than we see in a lot of the yoga centers these days, it would appear. Very uh, uh, austere practice, very resolute in purpose and and so forth, embracing austerities, living in a cave, hmm? yama niyama asana pranaya, pranayam, hmm? dharana, dhyan, samadhi yoga, this eightfold hmm? mystic yoga. Dridatma bir jogi bir apyalabhya. If they become successful after many, many births in this very difficult practice of chitta vritti nirodha, clearing the chitta, the chitta of any vrittis, you have to have some booty for this, some booty fortified by good, good association, that you stop acting in relation to the sangskars and the vrittis on your chitta. This is cheto darpanam arjanam, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained, to re- clear that. Hmm? Um, so, that, that this, this is how he dismantled the hankar. So, he says, after this for a long, long time, and becoming successful in it, hmm? attaining samadhi, he says, pada yat pada pamsur alabhya. They cannot alabhya, they cannot attain alabhya. They cannot attain even a, like a particle of dust that fell off of Krishna's soft, here is described, very soft and tender feet, and left at a distant place, hmm, they cannot even approach that. Hmm. It's a way of saying, this, is, this has, it has no appeal to Krishna. It may have appeal to another manifestation of divinity. The Ishwar is a prominent um, figure, for example, in Yoga Sutra, hmm? Ishwar Pranidhan. This isn't speaking about Krishna, Krishna Leela, hmm? Sakyarasa. That's another thing. Hmm? So, he says, what I'm experiencing in great wonder, this, can, this, this is a very sophisticated process that has a lot of credibility. It overtly looks very spiritual. Hmm? That, by be, be becoming accomplished in that, you cannot attain, you cannot come close to what they're experiencing. What, what is this thing then? Hmm? He says, he says, Saebat yadrig vishaya svayam stitha kimbarnite dishtam 
Patobajokasam. This actually, uh, in re- regard to Sambandhanuga Bhakti, that's the, these chapters are about, hmm, they show the way for those who have interest in that. They're very much helpful hmm, for, for practice. So this uh, it, uh, is speaking, this verse is speaking really about what we call stiti. Stiti is, is the kind of the, the perfection of union in, in Sambandhanuga Bhakti. You know the lila, hmm? it moves in in two ways, like the tide of the ocean. There is a high tide of union and a low tide of separation. Hmm? We call yog and ayog, union and separation. Hmm? The lila moves like this, and then within uh, the the ayog hmm? or separation. There are two divisions, biyog and utkantita. And then there are three types of union. Siddhi, tushti, stita, or stiti. So it's a complex subject, but those who have a little interest in this, they may explore the topic further. And such things, of course, are explained by Sri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, where he speaks about um, this particular wave, this force of Sakyarasa, hmm? these kinds of uh, details with examples and so forth. And he'll cite this verse there as an example of stiti. The ideas that we said, as we talked a little bit briefly about, about this, they, the, the cowherds are characterized often as being the ones who see Krishna the most because hmm? they're with him all day long. The parents aren't. The gopis aren't. They see him at night, but it's dark and it's difficult and they, and they can't be with him in the daytime and so on and so forth. So um, they have a unique uh, position in this regard. And, and the, the, it's being said here like they never... He... he, he uh, they, they, he, he's never outside of their their vision. Swayam stiti. Swayam stiti means swayam means also self manifest. This is not what they have attained is not possible by yoga, which is which is 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 a an ascending kind of effort based sadhana. It's described here. Bahujanma kritrato. Many many lives of great effort. Hmm? Bhakti is, by comparison, effortless because the effort that is involved in bhakti is, as I have often said, the effort to get grace. That's a very different thing. Hmm? If you make an effort, can you help me? Excuse me, can, can you show me the way? Hmm? Do you know where the ashram is? You ask somebody, yeah. this is an effort. But <laughs> this is an effort to get help. Something like that. This is the effort of bhakti. It's a very different thing. It's a very different sangskar and disposition. You see the sangskar from yoga, the sangskar for jnana. Hmm? The reason we have some difficulty with it within our tradition is because it's so contrary to the sangskar, the disposition, the tendency hmm, of bhakti that will afford us this type of experience that we are interested in. Hmm? So it's a very different way of and and and, and bahu janma. I mean, 
millions of births doing this. This is difficult to correct or to, or to, or to change the course. Hmm? Nonetheless, Krishna is very powerful, as we see here in this, this list will come out. But, but uh, he says here, no, Swayamstiti. Hmm? He manifests himself before them. Of course, by the force of their, of, of their bhakti, which is his own nature, that is Swarup Shakti. Swarup Shakti means God has his own nature. Hmm? What animates the Absolute? This, this is what we call bhakti. We have this equation, one and different. Love of God and God are one and different. There's no meaning of the lover without the beloved, no meaning of the teacher without the student. Hmm? So there's this duad. Uh, it's kind of duotheistic or something. There's two. <laughs> it's oneness. You and I become we in love, something like that. So love of God and God one and the same, and different at the same time. Hmm? So, it's, it's this, this bhakti is constituted of the essence of Krishna's Srupa Shakti. The Srupa Shakti is what, is what fulfills the will of the God, it manifests the will. God is such a sankalpa. What I want to do in my daydream of Leela, I want it, and my Srupa Shakti is, is so close to me. You see, we say that God has principal three shaktis, Maya Shakti, Jiva Shakti, and Sarup Shakti. Maya Shakti, all three of these Shaktis are one and different from, from Krishna. They're one because they have no independent existence, but they're different at the same time because they function uh, apparently differently. But amongst them, while they're all one and different, the Maya Shakti is more different than one. Hmm? The Jiva Shakti is more one than different, but but it's kind of in between. It, the Swarup Shakti is much more one than different. Hmm? Much more one than different. W- different, but one in that it is so like the shadow of, the, of Krishna, following, I mean, how close is your shadow? Everywhere you go. Hmm? And, and, and indeed, anticipating the movements, the thinking of Bhagavan. And facilitating, so just a slight, just it, in the seed form, the, the desire for lila comes, and and yoga maya and lila shakti is manifesting whatever is required for that. Hmm? It facilitates will, as I said last night or the other night, and and will is freedom, hmm? freedom of movement. This is the lila. This is there's no thinking here required. There's no there's there's no proceeding with caution. Hmm? This is the homeland of the heart. Everyone happy movement, happy movement. Hmm? And so Swayamstita, hmm? by bhakti, he's manifest, but that bhakti is his own nature. He's sharing with the jiva. Krishna's Atmaram, he doesn't go outside of himself. means he's only interacting with the Sarup Shakti. That's why we require the ingress of Sarup Shakti into our lives in order to associate with him, and that's what bhakti constitutes. Hmm? So Swayamstita, he's he he shows himself as he likes. He is independent. Bhakti is independent. This is very different. The point here is that they're making a contrast between yoga sadhana. A big difference. Hmm? And so 
if you try to know God by your own effort or, uh, for example, an effort-based sadhana, then some acquaintance you can have. But if God wants you to know about it, it will become very easy. And to what extent you will know? Hmm? Arguably completely, if he wants uh, to show himself. Hmm? And so, of course, who would want to show themselves to someone who, who they don't feel comfortable with? You'll be inhibited. If you, but if you feel loved, then you feel, oh, I, can, I, can tell all, I can tell everything here. I'm, I'm on safe ground. I can, I can speak up. I won't be harmed. Hmm? Hmm? So, approaching with, it is said, if you want to know, if you love someone, they, tell you, they will tell you all their secrets. That's just, that's fact. Hmm? This is the bhakti approach. Hmm? So, and these are the secrets. And Sugadeva is saying, this is a secret thing. And yoga has no access to this. Swayam stiti. Hmm? And stiti means they're seeing him constantly. This is, the, this, is the, this is the perfection of union. They're with him always. They're living with him. It's like somebody says, oh, do you know Swami? And Nitai goes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I live with him. <laughs> like that. You know, <laughs> you know, somebody says, oh, do you, you know, you know so-and-so? Yeah. It seems like a big thing to you, but it's, I'm living with him. This is how these cowards are thinking. I'm, I live with him. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, uh, very extraordinary um, reality, and Sukadev is, is, is acquainted with that. It's very nicely placed here, this verse also, in terms of the balance of the narrative, because, again, it, yoga is talked about, and yoga is, is somewhat this, now the entrance of Agasura, the entrance of, pro, of a problem, comes into the equation, and he's depicted somewhat yogically. Hmm? Ultimately, he leaves his body through the Brahmarandram. Hmm? He takes a shape. Hmm? That's, uh, he manifests a shape. This is some kind of like yoga siddhi. Yoga siddhis, the whole yoga process, for example, is, is being played down in comparison. At the end of the narrative of this particular chapter, Raj, the king, who's being hearing this from Sukadev, will say, O oh, great yogi, Hmm. He will address Sukadev. Oh, great yogi. It means, what is bhakti? What kind of yoga is that? Hmm. What kind of union can come with the Absolute through bhakti? This is very extraordinary. Yoginam api sarvesham madgatenam taratmanam shradavan bhajate yomam sami yuktatamu mataha. And the commentators have said, what? Better than tapa, but better than austerity is jnana. Better than jnana is yoga. Better than yoga is bhakti. It's, it's not the best of yogas. It's like it's something on, unto itself. It's a kind of yoga. It's, it's in a, the yoga forms a union, but it's very, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's descending. Hmm? It's sit- positioning oneself in such a way that sympathy will be drawn from above. Hmm? Just to contemplate the idea of entering into this, I would, I would like to be a cowherd, for example. It's, the, it's how powerful this is. You have to think about it. Who cares? About it? I mean, this is like, you know, I want to enter into the sun. To use that example. Oh, the sun. Think about that. Everybody wants my rays. Nobody wants me. Hmm? Nobody cares about me unless I'm giving them something. Okay. Hmm? 
I'm giving them something, but I'm taking something away also with every day of my rising and setting. I'm killing the self that they're asking me to maintain. Okay. They want things from me. Okay, take them. And die. Hmm? You're grabbing on to dead things. What do you expect? <laughs> the things are dead. You're positing some value in them, but they don't really have value. That's a made-up value. Hmm? You're making it up. You are the life. You're asking me for death, so I give it to you. <laughs> That's what you want. Okay, you take it. It's basically the idea. Now we don't want death. We want life. But life will be different than we know it. We won't be in the center, but we can live. Hmm? You come out of the small world of your mind, you see how small you are. You're only allowed to feel big in there, so you stay in there. Hmm? Come out of that small world of the mind, and how small you are. It's a little... I don't know about that. Hmm? But how big he is in terms of affection... We should run out of the mind. Hmm? How big he is in terms of affection. This is his bigness. Because he seems small. Hmm? But he's a rasaraj. What is he the raj of? Rasa. <laughs> Not so many palaces and, and, and it's a small place, a village. Hmm? Hmm? He's the raj of rasa. Sacred, sacred love. Hmm? Very idea, very wonderful idea. So this is, and and he, and he makes that available to us. If we become through such manifestation of such texts and so forth, so if we become a little interested in that, he becomes interested. You want that? You want me? You're interested in me? Mai bhakti bhutanam amritatvaya At Kurukshetra, he told the gopis, "Oh God," he said, "Everybody wants something from me." This is, it is tiresome. They want things, or they want to get rid of things. They want things, and they realize things aren't working, so they want to get rid of them. And some of them become smart. They want to get rid of all things, hmm? because things are dead, and they don't want to die anymore. So I give them eternal life. Huh. But nobody cares about me. <laughs> nobody, do I have a life? Do they ever even think about that? Hmm? So self-centered. What can be done? <laughs> yeah. And then some. And, some, and, and it, here's that's how it's portrayed. Some village girl. Hmm? She says that, that she says, but I, I'm not. Oh, I'm not intelligent enough to think about eternal life. I am not powerful enough to perform big sacrifices with a lot of resources and so forth to get more th- resources from you. Hmm? I'm not a yogi. I can't do, do that kind of. But I want you hmm? and what you are about. He says that. That's wow. I'm interested in that. Hmm? Take me. How much they will know. How well they will know him hmm? is the idea. To know him. Uh, to love him is to know him. Rajavidya, Rajukriyam. This is the manmanabhavamadbhaktovadhyajimamamaskuru. So these are very 
revolutionary theistic concepts. Hmm? And here, so then we move. What happens? Of course, uh, they're all these friends and Krishna. They're picnicking and they're just really having us. Uh, we just heard it. They're having a great time. They're swinging from the trees, imitating the monkeys, imitating the birds and with their shadows, yelling into the wells and hearing the echoes and uh, all these childish childhood-like sports and and so forth, and and. And they've come for a picnic lunch, and and the this Swarup Shakti, this Yoga Maya, she understands they need to stop playing. Hmm? She's orchestrating the Leela, facilitating Krishna's desire and the desires of the devotees. Because as I mentioned to you, will as a unit of will, the reality of that, of ourself being a unit unit of will, and the, and 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 the um, the um, where that becomes really meaningful hmm, is the extent to which we come out from identifying with matter that suppresses us as a unit of will. Because the more you're attached to matter, the more you become like matter. Hmm? You've identified with, and matter has no will. So, again, uh, you know, you think you're doing things that are done by the brain only. Hmm? The lights are on, but there's really almost like nobody home. That self is is a witness and doesn't even know it's a witness. Like somebody turned on the TV and then got lost in the TV and doesn't realize I'm the viewer. I could turn it off. I could get up. I could walk out. I could do the things that are being done on the screen myself. Hmm? I could be a TV and more. But I'm just taken over by the TV, something like that, by matter. I've identified with matter and so... I become like matter. Hmm? This is a problem. So, so because I'm a unit of will and matter has no will, hmm, then material nature tends to suppress will. Whereas the spiritual nature, the Srupa Shakti, facilitates will. Hmm? As we'll see, there's a competition of will here in the Leela between the devotees and Krishna. Hmm? And she's working. With, with this Yoga Maya is orchestrating everything, fulfilling everything. Hmm? So here they're playing, hmm? and she realizes this has got to stop. They've got to eat. Hmm? All these lunches have been brought. They're hanging on on tree branches right now, waiting to be eaten. There's a, there's a, there's a number of things that Bhagwan wants needs to accomplish wants to accomplish, hmm? and so we wonder how this how this Agasura the demon comes into the play. Where does he come in? How did he get there? Can't get there by yoga. How did he get there? Hmm? Agha sura. Agha means like uh, sin, something like that. Hmm? Agha sura. So uh, yoga maya makes an arrangement, hmm? and he can come in. You cannot get in there unless the, the, from that side the doors are open. There's no crashing the gate there. You cannot go there with your shoes on. That is not possible. Hmm? If God wants you to know, you can enter. Otherwise not. Hmm? So, by the Yoga Maya's arrangement, in concert with the will of Bhagwan Krishna, this Agasura is allowed to, to enter as a di- diversion hmm? from the play hmm? that will bring the play to a stop 
and then they'll be able to take their lunch and carry on, and there's, there's more important things to do here. Hmm? Brahma needs to be enlightened, hmm? and there's lunch to be had also, uh, and, uh, and other such sports and so on and so forth, and, and so she's facilitating, and Agasura enters. Hmm? Agaha, namab, Vyapatan Mahasuras Tesham Sukha Kridana Vichakshanaksamaha Nityam Yad Anta Nija Jivit Tep Subhi Vitam Ritar Api Amarai Purikshite. We're a little late, but we'll just read this one here. He says that, but then the king, the Raj, hmm? He says, dear, dear king, dear Raj, Sukadev says, the boy says, thereafter there appeared a great demon named Agasura, whose death was being awaited even by the gods. The, the gods drink nectar every day, but still they feared this great demon and awaited his death. This demon could not tolerate the transcendent pleasure being enjoyed in the forest by Krishna and his friends. So what is the time? We'll stop there and we'll talk about his entrance and his exploits and so forth in our next discussion. Any question? Yes. Uh, I have a question about qualification for entrance to Krishna Lila or to attain the grace of the Lord only through Shravana. So if this principle applies only for such great souls like uh, Maharaja Parikshit who attain perfection by by hearing, there was no time for, for set practical service, for diksha, for anything else, or it applies for everyone, like it's indicated by Lord Brahma in this verse, uh, mm-hmm. So, is it enough? Is hearing enough? Yes, yes. So, is uh, all of these principal limbs of bhakti are said to be sufficient in and of themselves. Hmm? Hearing, chanting, meditating, archon, and so forth. In fact, the, uh, in, in this Leela here, the, the, the very entrance of um, Krishna within Agasura hmm, by force is used as a, by Rupa Goswami as an example of how even if by force Krishna should enter your mind or you should be dragged in front of the deity to have the darshan or something like that, you, know, you can attain perfection. What that says also at the same time is is some type of spiritual perfection, mm. not not braj bhakti. If you want the braj bhakti, then there's a specific method for that. Hmm? Um, and of course, hearing is is principal, but hearing, chanting, and remembering these are the main main practices of rag bhakti. So I, the answer to your question is yes, theoretically, but it's very impractical to think that someone will only listen and never speak about it and never do anything else. Hmm? And generally what you hear is, informs what you do and animates your life. If, you, if you're constantly hearing um, discussion about Krishna and you'll never participate in your, and say anything yourself, seems impractical, although you'll never do anything 
you, you have to get up from the from the session and then you know so it's it seems rather impractical hmm? but it's you might think it's it's easy i'll just go and listen to maharaj and that's going my sadhana and i won't won't do anything else but you can try it <laughs> keep me chanting <laughs> I mean, more than the, the practical service and diksha and, and everything. Is that required too? I see, I see. Well, um, Rupa Goswami has begun his explanation of Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti um, with Adho Gurvashraya, Diksha Shikshadi, hmm? um, taking shelter of the Guru, getting instruction, taking initiation, serving affectionately, and so on and so forth. And um, and then in the context of that, he you know he mentions the main limbs of bhakti, but um, they're they're not independent, really, of um, in one sense, practically speaking, I want to say they're not independent of. Um, I mean, how you're going to. He- you have to have a guru to hear from in the first place. Hmm. Right? So, that's it. You can't really do Krishna bhakti without guru bhakti. Hmm. That's why he mentions Adho Guru Bhashra, taking shelter of the guru as the, as the very first limb of, of, of bhakti. And, when, and, and, and the same holds true for Raghunuga bhakti. I mean, the, the Vaidhi bhakti is the form, the same form that that it, that that that, that, that Raghunuga Bhakti is practicing with just a different motivation, hmm? and and it, for that matter, gives emphasis on the necessity of of um, Guru Kripa. The, that's the mercy of a Vaishnava. The only way you can attain a, the, uh, the 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 required interest in the subject. So, no, you, you can't just hear and not have a guru. And and who will you hear from? <laughs> yes. So uh, the chanting is in Holy Name. Uh, is recommended in this is in this age of Kali Yoga to attain perfection to attain Nava Godhead. Yeah. So um, uh, for one side, uh, Prabhupada said that this is the most uh, the, this is the easiest uh, way to achieve perfection. So uh, I wonder if is the only way, or is the most important way to attain to love to Godhead, because uh, we can see that some devotees uh, uh, feel for this and attraction to um, uh, worship the deities, and the chanting is is not so strong way of sadhana, yeah? <laughs> or another person uh, prefers to uh, do bhajans, not uh, especially to uh, to japa on on beats. Mm-hmm. Well, it's said that in in, in Kali Yuga, then that the chanting is most efficacious and most most powerful, hmm? and uh, generally the other practices are somehow intertwined to one extent or another with chanting. Like Archan is intertwined with chanting. Say Om Klim Krishnaya, you know. Idam Naivajam, Klim Krishnaya Namaha. So, um, in this way, it's 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 meditation is thought to be fostered by and supported by 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 kirtan, um, and um, kirtan 
of the favorite names of Krishna, of the devotee, and smarnam of Krishna Lila is the way of Raghunuga Bhakti. So if you pursue Raghunuga Bhakti, these will become prominent. Chanting and remembering hmm? and hearing. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam. These will become the three main limbs. In Raghunuga Bhakti, Rupa Goswami has explained, Smaranam is the main limb. Still deference is given to Kirtan hmm? to give support to that. Hmm? So, um, this is a very specific lineage, of course, that we come in. Mahaprabhu came to give Rag Bhakti. This is the idea. Any attraction to entering the Brajalila means that's my orientation toward that, is, that that's Rag Marg. How qualified I am to tread that, that depends on the extent to which my Bhakti is driven by a taste for that um, over faith in the efficacy of Bhakti to free me from problems and, and so on and so forth. But... Um, um, be very practical about your question for those devotees who are in our lineage and so forth. Um, these are the three main limbs. Hmm? Archan is also something we find in, in the lives of the Goswamis and so forth, and it, it has its uh, efficacy, but it tends to be um, more um, um, foster uh, reverential love. So uh, usually at a certain point it either becomes less of a factor in a devotee's life or they do some kind of you know, baba seva to the the deity which is very extraordinary something that, you know, can't be imitated and they transcend the realm of ritual and the language of that and so forth and we find examples of speaking with the deity of in, in ordinary terms, like one would in the Leela, rather than in a symbolic way, which is the realm of ritual, kind of a halfway between material and spiritual kind of meeting, meeting ground where the, the temporal meets the eternal and so forth and facilitates uh, that symbolic representation of the form of Krishna, facilitates and becoming acquainted with the... Um, well, it facilitates antardarshan, internal darshan, and then kind of an external darshan. So, at any rate, I, uh, th- these are the three main limbs. You should be, and three and a half, archon, hmm. something like that. Hmm. But, you know, if we see a devotee likes to do the deity worship more than chanting, well, they should be encouraged to do deity worship then. Hmm. If they like to, more, they're more like to, they're more studious type, they like to, stu- yeah, they should be encouraged to do that. Hmm. And somehow or other, you know, that's the teaching, right? Hmm. Mana Krishna Somehow or other, you absorb your mind in, in Krishna. That's the idea. Hmm. Yes? Um, um, we know that Krishna has uh, six main qualities. He's the most beautiful, the most knowledgeable. This is how we can recognize his God. And he's full, in full. So, um, where in Krishna Arena we can um, see his renounce yet? Because he's supposed to be the most renounced. Mm-hmm. And in Krishna Lila, we can notice that because he's not a really perfect Brahmachari or anything like that. How to relate it? Right. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Krishna. Well, you see, the other way to understand that, of course, is that uh, that that the the na- nature of the Braj Lila is that all renunciation is there, hmm. but attachment to the Braj Lila itself, uh, the Braj also fo- fosters. Hmm. So, um, and the nature of that love, if you will, is completely is such that it, it, it's it's com- it has absolutely no taking in it. Hmm. Both parties are fully giving. Hmm? <coughs> There's an external appearance of taking, hmm? like gopis exchange with Krishna and so on. There's a, but there's no... That's taken out of it. Hmm? There's no taking in it. This is, ex- of course, explained by Durvas to the gopis in Gopaltapani Upanishad. Have you studied Gopaltapani? Gopaltapani Upanishad? I've heard about it. Yeah. We're publishing it in Polish shortly. But anyway... <laughs> Always a book distributor, I guess. But so uh, um, there, uh, the, the idea is that Krishna Lila looks like attachment, hmm? but it's not anything like material attachment. Hmm? Um, there's no in it. There's there's no taking. See, there's no material attachment. We don't call it love because there's there's a taking. There's a neediness. Krishna Lila is a fullness. There's a neediness that arises out of fullness. That's what we call Lila. Hmm? If you don't need anything, then why move? That's the Shankar's logic. If you don't need anything, you don't want anything, if you're detached, right, then you don't have to go anywhere or do anything. You're just full in yourself. Atmaram. Hmm? Uh, so Sukadev was like that, right? Sukadev was completely detached, right? Completely renounced. renounced. But then he started moving hmm? and studying the Bhagavatam and so forth. Why? Hmm? So see, that's a, it, 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 detachment is fully, fully manifest there. Hmm? But it's, it's t- taking a particular uh, shape. Renunciation is like the first step in love because it's a stepping back. Hmm? And seeing things for what they are. If you're too close to them and attach them, you can't see them for what they are. So you step back, and then you enter in hmm, with a proper understanding of what it is. So Krishna Lila is fully immersed, so to speak. It's very worldly, but otherworldly at the same time. So it's a, it's being in the world, but not of the world. Hmm. So and detached also means, of course, that Krishna is fully independent. Hmm. He's independent. He does whatever he wants. He just happens to want to do certain things. That doesn't mean he's attached. It, it, it kind of does. <laughs> he's attached to bhakti. He's attached to his devotees. But that's an ornament, not a defect. And that constitutes the full face of detachment from, from um, because it's fullness. In other words... As I said, there's movement out of emptiness. That's material life. We're running on empty. So we're moving to get things. We think by acquiring things, we'll become full. Hmm? We'll become the more that, that, we, that, we, that we actually are. We don't realize we are more. So we identify with things. We think we get more things, then we'll, we'll feel full. So 
Detachment means to let go of the things, right? And find that you're full. Now, when you're full, again, so then you just sit there, right? There's nothing to do. But Chaitanya Vaishnavism teaches, Gaudi Vedanta teaches, that if you're really full, really complete, then that will foster a kind of movement, not out of lacking, but out of the need, if you will, to express your fullness, dancing, hmm? out of joy. Hmm? So that is Leela. So the basis of this is completely detached. Hmm? You understand? Yeah, something like that. But, yes, in his Leela, Krishna doesn't overtly appear to be too attached, but um, he teaches it in, in Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? And he did walk away from the gopis. I mean, so it seems. He walked out. Hmm? He does... Uh, for Dharma, of course, it's really all to, to showcase their love. That's what he's really doing. He really appears to depart from Vrindavan so that everyone will know the nature of their love. Hmm. And, that, and that he's actually, when Krishna is in Dwarka, present in Dwarka, he's more present in Vrindavan in his absence than he is in, present in his presence in Dwarka. Hmm. Because it has to be, because he is wherever there is love for him. Hmm. The measure of the love of Vrindavan, he's got to be there. Because if there's love, the object of love has to be there. So, you wanted to say something? Um, I just wondered if I could uh, add something from a linguistic perspective. Yeah, please. Sometimes people think that uh, vairagya means renunciation, hmm. but it doesn't mean detachment. Renunciation is tiaga. And, and if you renounce, like giving up things, you can still be attached even if you've given away things. So when when we say that Krishna is detached, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have anything. Right. It means he's not attached to things. Mm-hmm. Mm. He has things, but he's not attached. Also, vairagya means vai, rag, hmm. a special kind of rag. It has been explained by Prabhupada Sarasati, Thakur, a special kind of attachment. Hmm? So, <laughs> okay, we stop there. Skantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Gaur Bhaktabrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.